Uh, let's do a clap. So on the count of three. One, two, three. Lovely. Lovely. Oh. Did we come through at the same time as you then? Uh, I mean, I was delayed, but because I'm vaguely dyspraxic, I couldn't keep up with <laughs> okay. you. Yeah. That's fine. So we'll do it again. <laughs> One, two, three. Lovely. Brilliant. That's, perfect. that's the same. I it, think that's the same as well. It's Good. infinitesimal. Uh, amazing. You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. And welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking excellent. I'm Holly Morgan, and my husband Tom is also here. What time is curtain? Our subject today is a proper comedy legend. Terminally polite, they constantly apologise in interviews and are intent on never showing off. Despite pivotal roles in a beloved children's classic of the 90s and a string of cult comedy classics, it's only recently that our subjects receiving the adulation and acclaim that they really deserve as the originator of one of the true great sitcom characters, Moira Rose. We are, of course, putting the spotlight on Catherine O'Hara. And with us to discuss Catherine O'Hara is a theatrical grand dame in the making, an award-winning playwright, divisor, performer, and artistic director of Out of the Forest Theatre. Their work has received rapturous responses from critics and audiences alike. Their ethos revolves around the fact that strange and wonderful things hide in plain sight, and they should be explored and celebrated. Sasha Wilson, you strange and wonderful thing, come forth and let us celebrate you. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Here she is, out of the forest, onto the pod. Hello, darling. (laughs) How's it going? Oh, all the better for seeing your. Well, it's it's a it's a visual medium. Yeah. Uh, The sights are are delightful, but the the oral is also delightful. Your voice is coming over from Somerset, loud and clear. Yes, an aural, an aural oral queen in oh, the making. <laughs> so, this has been a long time coming. And dear listener, this is why. Sasha is a dear friend and a long time listener, first time caller. And we have discussed for many, for the, the entire year and a bit we've been doing this podcast, who she's going to do. And she's been adamant that her topic would be Tim Curry. Now, eagle-eyed listeners who listened to last week's LDE will know that we we dispute Tim Curry's <laughs> status. However, I have I have assigned a window of time at the yep. top of this podcast for Sasha to make an impassioned pitch. So, sure, when you're ready, feel free. I mean, to give to give a little bit of context to the uh, to the dear listeners out there, I happened to be on holiday in Colombia, and I was slightly stoned poolside, listening to I believe the Charlotte Church episode. Ah. Early doors, episode three. Indeed, 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 and uh, we we had just I don't know why we had just watched <laughs> Muppet Treasure Island the night before. <laughs> My mom, my mom's husband, Manuel, and Joseph Cullen, also deep friend of the pod. Um, Previous and I guest. Went, and I went, what more magnificent <laughs> potential subject matter could one select 
Um, and I am here to present the People versus BDE in the case of Curry <laughs> for a Diva. Amazing. Hear ye, hear ye, whatever they say in the court. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hear ye, it's what town criers say. I don't know, what do they... All right, court is in session. Well, how do you plead? Well, look, I mean, here's the thing. is I And I don't wish to split hairs because the two of you are my dear, dear friends. But I was... <laughs> I was personally offended that you thought <laughs> my argument hinged upon the fact that Tim Curry did drag one time. <laughs> I mean, fair, as, fair play. How do you plead, Tom? <laughs> I, I, I plead guilty to saying that. Right. I, it's. I mean, I can't deny it. It's. It's on record and on the internet. I, I think. I think the point is, for me, anyhow, I was introduced to Tim Curry as a child of the '90s via um, Muppet Treasure Island, which. Yeah. Um, and and also, like, there's so much context to this. Most of my life is spent looking for opportunities to wind up, Joe. <laughs> and, that cannot be emphasized enough. <laughs> this cannot, simply cannot be emphasized enough. And I just knew that <laughs> claiming that Muppet Treasure Island was the superior film <laughs> to Muppet Christmas Carol would be the spark that lit a flame to last a lifetime. <laughs> and and the we fire need that never went out. <laughs> we need something to get us through the cold Somerset winters. So, and, and, and look, like, all of these things come from just like the stuff I already loved in childhood. And like I, I came to um I came to Rocky Horror quite late in life, actually. Uh-huh. Um and, and I can see why that would be super important for people and why it would speak to like a whole generation of people who would go and do the midnight shows. But for me it was Muppets Treasure Island, <laughs> where Tim Curry plays. Uh I would I would say a definitive Long John Silver. Um and then Clue. And I think the thing about it is he just, he has this absolute fucking, the sky is the, there is nothing that is off limits in terms of what he will give to a role. And it's so just camp. Yeah, that is true. Google, Google listeners, please do yourself <laughs> a favor and Google two videos. And one of them is uh, The Worst Witch, Tim Curry's song. Oh, iconic. And not only is he like CGI'd over some sort of ridiculous green screen. CGI is such a strong word for uh, it. It's, it's, it's like hand-drawn illustration. <laughs> like, I put Microsoft Paint. Yeah, exactly right. And, um, and then also he released an album in the 80s, question mark. Um, <laughs> and the, like the lead track off of it is I Do The Rock. Oh. oh guys, 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 guys. <laughs> it's like... It's like patter, rock, all of this articulation. It is a bop. Um, <laughs> and his performance is incandescent. Like he just, he kind of, there is no holds barred, nothing that he won't do. And his performances are stratospheric, but always grounded in something that's emotional and real and true. And for those reasons, I feel that he is a worthy candidate for your consideration. I don't Fantastic. know if they do this in real courts, but I'm going to give you a standing ovation because that <laughs> was... <doing> movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was absolutely outstanding. Uh, it, I have visual aids. Well. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> She's got a Frankenfurter cushion, dear listener. Yes, she won- I am sitting on Tim Curry's face. <laughs> 
she was planning to have a series of t-shirt reveals throughout this podcast because she really understands and nails the medium um, <laughs> but sadly uh, the, the the internet vendors could not could not keep up with the pace the heady well, pace nobody um, for love or money was going to get it to me before the end of the bank holiday weekend so uh, I, I need not be saddled with three ill-fitting teeth <laughs> <laughs> purely for the sake of a joke <laughs> <laughs> or do I? <laughs> or was this or a, do I? An elaborate bluff. Oh my god! Um, I'm well, crippled with internet shopping as it is. I needn't be talking to more. <laughs> oh, sorry. I keep screaming like a howler monkey, so I have to be turned down. <laughs> this is uh, this is my curse. Um, well, the jury are back in, and they have decided that yes, he is a, a camp icon, but he d- he is not a diva, but he's a, a a very valid contribution to the diva canon. Oh, she's taken it with grace. Look, she has. I, I just wanted to come here and spread my truth. <laughs> she has. I've thrown down my gavel. I've <laughs> removed my ceremonial roles and I'm now back in back in my true persona as, as a, 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 I don't know what kind of diva detective. Um, but what better way as well to link today's subject... Than, than talking about the second best performer in Home Alone 2. Well, quite. Well, literally yes. quite. Yes, very I mean, accurate. Tim, Tim Curry in Home Alone 2 is perfect, I'd say. He's per- it's a perfect uh, performance. To, to the point where, in my memory of the film, because I hadn't seen it for years and years and years, and I rewatched it over Christmas, in my memory of the film, he was like the main baddie. Yeah. But he really we- appears in like, in less of the film than like Judy Dench won. Uh, blah, 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 what, did, what am I trying to say? Uh, he appears in like less of the movie than you know Judy Dench won her Oscar for in Shakespeare in Love. You know, like yeah. really small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really small thing. He, yeah, do, you can do the cheese pizza line really well. Oh, hang on. Sorry, we've got we've had you to put me on the spot. No, come on, you can do it. Here you are, sir. Your very own cheese pizza. Very good. Yeah, very good. On point. A limousine and a cheese pizza. That was nearly going to be my exclusive rider. But uh... <laughs> yeah. well, without Cedric, don't catch your tips in public. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado, perhaps we should get to the questions, since you've clearly already been thinking about them. Les questions. Les questions. The quacks. I, 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 um, I didn't even send them to. Oh my god! Apologies, Apologies we are in our living room. We're in our living room today. So onto is it not soundproof? It certainly fucking isn't. So you will hear some hoots, I'm afraid. Um, I didn't bother to send Sasha the questions because I knew that she knew them already. I have them memorized. Yes, I'm off. I'm off book. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Well, without much further ado, Sasha Wilson, I will always love you. Who is your ride or die diva? Before. I anger the listeners and repeat <laughs> my impassioned plea for Tim Curry. No, my ride or die. I, I actually struggled with this a little bit um, because I think like my true childhood love um, was for many, many, many years was Audrey Hepburn. And I, oh. I, I was obsessed with uh, My Fair Lady and would listen to the soundtrack every single night before I went to bed because I was quite a nervous oh. child. And like I would know that it was an easy night to get to sleep or a bad night to get to sleep based off of like how far into the second act I made it. Oh. <laughs> um, but really, I think she's much more of like an icon truly than a diva. Yeah, mm. yeah um, I agree. So I would say my 
my diva of choice is always going to be Catherine Hepburn purely because yes. her autobiography is entitled Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Which is just the kind of energy I think we all truly need to channel. Absolutely. Something... Between Hepburn and Elton John. Yeah. With Elton my John. life. <laughs> I think his is just called Me as well. His is called My Life, isn't it? Oh, so yeah. she... Me. Elton John. Me. It's on the shelf. See if I can see it from here. Yeah, it's called Me. It's called me. <laughs> Amazing. They share an autobiography title. Indeed they do. Indeed How they do. How do they manage it? <laughs> I'd love to see Elton welcome to Showbiz John uh, in the Philadelphia story or another iconic Catherine Hepburn role. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? And suddenly last summer. <laughs> well, suddenly last summer, I was in... <laughs> I can't think of a single line from suddenly last summer. That's all right. It was bone white. The sun was beating down white hot bone white. <laughs> a terrible 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 play (laughs) (laughs) i do love tennessee williams but so much of it is just like what on earth is going on (laughs) (laughs) yes it's like okay that's the one that's mean that's your sister fine yeah that's the one that's supposed to be your mum. and then this whole thing is is what a dream Uh, yeah 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 there's a lot of memory plays and no one needs a memory play (laughs) writing so that's how I feel. Oh, about are you? Excellent. Save it for plugs and hugs. Oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> she knows the score. My darling, who run the world? To which diva would you give the nuclear codes? And okay. why? And why? Why? I, I, again, I don't wish to bring you up on um, leaving me so late. In yeah. the uh, in the running order, because um, my my answer has been multiply times to taken, um, <laughs> but I'm going to agree with previous guests and say I'm giving it to Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah, good. Um, I'm giving it to Dolly Parton because not only has she recently saved the world by yes. giving us <laughs> an inoculation against la dreaded COVID, um, but also. Tom, you listened to this podcast, didn't you? The This American Life series on Dolly Parton, which is extraordinary. But one of the things that I found so moving about it was that she was like, actually, I mean, and I don't necessarily agree with this as as an artist myself, but she was like, it's not really my responsibility to like get into politics. I'm here to deliver my art and I kind of am being deliberately impartial. So there's no way that she would be getting herself embroiled in any kind of nuclear power mm, struggle because she yes. wouldn't be giving in to either faction. Yes, that's true. We do need impartiality and it is a quality that divas are not renowned for. No. And I think... Um, no, that's true. Yeah. You know, the nine to five gals, the yes. Fonda and the other one. Uh, Lily Tomlin. Yes. And they kind of like gave her a hard time about it. And she was like, my fans love Trump, some of them. And some of my fans love Biden. And it's not kind of my job to to make any of them feel unwelcome in my music. So, and I think that that was such a, like from an initially a very kind of, you know, not sitting strongly in any belief kind of stance. It's actually a very thoughtful place to be of like, what do my fans need? And and I thought that was such a gracious diva thing. So it really ought to be Dolly. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that's right. I know what you mean about that because it's kind of, especially in the context of some, yeah, her, her fan base being often a particular demographic politically. Yeah. Mm. And, and she, 
you know, she's weighed in on things where she's really had to. It's like, it's not called the Dixie Stampede anymore. It's like, <laughs> or, or they don't, you know, reenact the Civil War over the, you know, chips, whatever it was they used to do at Dollywood. But yeah, I think Dollywood, sorry, sacrilege. Um, yeah, I, th- I think in this case, her impartiality would be very, very useful. So mm. yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. The real Biden candidate we're all looking for. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly, exactly <laughs> right. Oh man, let's not please, please, please. I'm having a lovely evening. Don't open that can of worms. <laughs> turn, if I could turn back time, which diva would you send back to which historical situation? And pourquoi? I would unequivocally send back Jessica Fletcher um (laughs) (laughs) and you've stolen my answer again because my first answer was of course to solve the Lizzie Borden crime um because the world needs to know um but actually like the reality is is we all know Lizzie did it uh I mean she are you kidding? The front she door won- was locked. 1,000% she did it. I don't need Jessica to get that out of her. No, that would be a waste of her skills. It would be a waste. It would be a waste. I would send her back to um, resolve the Dyatlov Paz mystery because it wasn't fucking an avalanche. I can tell you that for free. Oh, aliens, is it? I No, I don't believe in aliens, <laughs> but no, aliens is no. An owl? She's Jessica Fletcher, not Scully. <laughs> But so, yeah, Dyatlo- the Dyatlov Pass is like my kind of ride or die unsolved mystery. Like I, right. that and the Somerton Man. And I just, oh, yes, yeah. and I just kind of, like, I know the Disney animator team came together and they were like, we modeled avalanche structures and we have come to the conclusion that blah, 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 it has to have been an avalanche. I'm like, bullshit. Like, they cut themselves from the inside of their tent and left without their clothes on. There is no way it was an avalanche. And the Russian government is notorious for just lying. And I think Jessica Fletcher is... (laughs) What? Um... And Jessica Fletcher is the soft touch because the way she always worked, right, was like she'd encourage somebody to like confess or like it was that matronly kind of like mother role and they'd like, they couldn't stand the shame of lying any longer. Um, You think you'd just send her over to do one on on I would send her back. No, no, I'd send her back to Soviet Russia and get it from the horse's mouth in the period. Amazing. When if she solves that one in record time, yeah. can I can I use her to solve the princes in the tower? Oh, what oh is that your ride or die I mystery? I think that's my ride or die mystery, you know. Cuz like Jack the Ripper, I don't know who he was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's going to be that disgusting thing of like he was a shithole and we don't need to care about him actually. Yeah. So Exactly. Like oh, he was just which we already know he was a, some some shithole, whereas I'd quite like to know who killed them, them boys. And I you don't think it was Richard Latois? Uh, yeah, potential, but also Henry Tudor. And his mum had a lot, to, lot to, to, uh, to win from it as well. So, I don't know. I don't know nearly enough about this. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait in. Some would say it's off topic for a diva podcast. Um, I don't know. Although, Henry Richard Tudor's mum was a bit of a diva. That wig. That wig. That wig had form, it had shape, it had bounce. And they were always showing off their legs. I mean, nothing but a shapely calf. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I don't know, like, if I had a hunch, I would accessorize. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just more room for fabric, isn't it? Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> it's just more space on the board. Yeah, so... Jessica Fletcher being like, I've got a hunch. No offence. <laughs> None taken. Liz <laughs> Richard III speaking like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> His tiny little tunic bottom billowing up in the Tower of London air. Standing over an open sewage drain. <laughs> Oh, that's really got me. Um, <laughs> material girl, what's on your rider? Um, so at first this was kind of hard for me because I've never had an instance in which I've had a rider. Um, and recently a I've travesty. just... I uh, Look, look, I'm undervalued and underappreciated across the board. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. Um, but I have only ever performed in theatres where I'm essentially sharing a public toilet with la clientele um, mm-hmm. of the pub. Um, right. Like, no no dirt on any of the lovely pub theatres I've worked in because they've been great. But, like, having to jostle elbows in a Victorian gown <laughs> <laughs> above <laughs> in the toilets of the Hope before call yeah. time is just, <laughs> like... So I would really like a, a proper theatre with those lovely little, like lights in the dressing room you know where i can like put my little like opening night cards and a succulent plant perhaps Um, and then i got totally carried away because i was like what have i wanted this entire lockdown and i was like a back massage so i would make sure that i had a masseuse who could give me a massage before every show and then afterwards a burrito flown in from Felipe's Taqueria in Boston because I'm all I can't eat before I perform darling (laughs) I can't I can't no 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 I can't like redirect energy like into my stomach because then you feel like really heavy and just kind of like gross that is true and often a little bit nauseous because I do get like (laughs) I do get a bit nervous she gets a bit bilious I do I do you've got Kidney you know, beans in there or yeah. pinto beans, all on kinds, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, dairy and carbs in the Absolutely, whole. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. No. yeah. Um, so yeah, and and I don't want to have to like get a Mickey D's on the way back home. No, so I think a no Felipe's burrito. And then I was like, I should have <laughs> plants want. everywhere. <laughs> no, but some lovely like I don't know sprigs of foliage, like oh, um, lovely. Some you know thistle, globe artichoke, <laughs> lilac, for some aroma. You know, I don't really fucking know. I don't care. I would just like... <laughs> you want flowers? You want a burrito from Boston flown in? Yeah. You want... A back, mas- a a back massage. A back massage. And you want massage. essentially your pre-show pep talk not to be someone else going, I think she's in the show. Yeah, she's basically, show. yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Both wait- waiting awkwardly by the hand dryer, just being like... Uh, yeah. Trying not to make time. eye contact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't let me go, there isn't a show to see. As and well. she's, like, she says, I don't care because I'm just downstairs taking tequila shots with my mates. <laughs> <laughs> Not show, what show? What show? Um, I, I, well, I dress like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love how quickly that escalated from uh, quite reasonable to absolutely insane. <laughs> the power just completely went to your head. It was, tr- it was watching a diva blossom True. before our yes. eyes. Yeah. It, it was this life cycle of a diva. If, if David Attenborough had put that on like... You know, that that camera where it gets really quick. That's what yeah. that was. Um, time lapse. Time lapse, that's the, that's the one. Uh, 
That's now, the one. The next question, which I didn't, <laughs> has its own title, which we haven't been saying for about a year. The next title, which is When Have You Been a Diva, has the title It's All Coming Back to Me Now. When Have You Been a Diva? Some might say that the title of that question is coming back to you now. Yeah. After nearly a year. After nearly a year. I for, I Did you never wonder why they all had song titles apart from that one? No, I just thought I got bored. Anyway, it's all coming back to me now. Sasha, when have you, if ever, been a diva? It was the summer of 1998. <laughs> Titanic had received its... Uh, theatrical release in the winter of the previous year, um, which I had seen, um, and I became instantly obsessed. So I like dragged my mom out to this little like music store and got the sheet music to My Heart Will Go On, and I dutifully practiced and practiced and practiced, <laughs> playing and singing at the same time, of course. Um, and I spent much of that spring preparing it into um, my repertoire, and it had a preview performance at Maria Hastings Elementary School's uh, morning assembly. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and then we were on holiday in Greece. Um, we always used to like go somewhere because my family would, we'd visit my relatives in Bulgaria. And then after a couple weeks of like being kissed by <laughs> every single <The> cousin, <laughs> yes, kissed by the sun, every single cousin who I'm like related to by blood or marriage, like <laughs> all of Bulgaria. Anyhow, we'd then, we'd then go someplace else like to, see the world a little bit and so we went to Greece and there was this man in our like hotel lobby who was playing my heart will go on and I at the age of like all of nine was like excuse me oh no I would like to sing with you and he was like well I've just played the song tonight so I can't play it again Mr. Takis, his name was. Why that? Re- why? Why that's lodged in the old cranium? I don't know. That and all the lyrics to NSYNC's back catalogue. Um, and then the next night, I he like prepared. He was like, okay. He called me up, and there in front of the entire like pre-dinner cocktail assembled crowd of this uh, hotel in Greece, I belted my little heart out. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And, Sasha and then, went on rather than the heart. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and my mother was confused when I wanted to go to drama school. <laughs> yeah, the signs were there. Ten babe. years later. Oh my, I mean, shock, like truly shocking. I was dressed like Michelle Trachtenberg's stunt double off of Buffy. Like just bad, everything about it, like late 90s tack. <laughs> what? Okay, there's so many things I love about that. Yeah. I think I, I I love the confidence of this being like, no, no, I'm gonna do that. And that yeah. is brilliant. And we and I, I hate that little girls have that knocked out of them. <laughs> like well, that's truly. amazing that you were like, No, no, I I know this song really well. It's my song, I'm gonna sing it. I, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow night. Um I also love that it's a big sing, babe. <laughs> like that for yeah. a nine year old, that is a big sing. Well, look, I auditioned for Lexington Youth Summer Theatre with I'm Your Lady the year <gasps> after. So like yeah. I was in <laughs> I was in with the Celine Dion huge sings. Amazing. <laughs> I myself am no stranger to singing Celine Dion on holiday. <laughs> and people may not necessarily want it either. Everyone that, wants it. I want it. I everyone want it always now. wants it. Everyone yeah. always wants Celine. People that do Celine at karaoke generally are adherents to the rule of go big or go home. Yeah. 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 Go big or fly home. 
go big or be helicoptered home. (laughs) (laughs) Such is the diva way. And then we get to our only vaguely serious question. Um, what, What does the term diva mean to you? What is a diva? I think a diva is somebody somebody who curates their life so that their lives are as much of a show as their own work is. Oh, I love that. And I and I that's like partly a joke glib answer, but I think that there is something about just being confident enough in the work that you're making and confident enough in the size that you're taking up in a room to just yes. not let anyone dictate what you do and how you behave and like sometimes yeah it's outrageous and over the top but it's also like it's mold setting and it and it paves a way for people to just be able to be their authentic selves in whatever way that kind of manifests oh that's a fantastic answer that's brilliant that's Mold really yeah, yeah i love that that's per- and and the perfect answer this podcast because it covers Yes, slightly, you know, the, the comedic, but also there's very, very great truth to that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. She's had time to consider her answers. Guys, I have had a year. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a long time coming. But now we're here to settle the score. And when we have a little break now, when we come back, we shall get into talking about Catherine O'Hara with our gorgeous, iconic Sasha Wilson. <laughs> So here we go. Now, Sash, what does what does Catherine O'Hara mean to you? Like, what was what made makes her your dave? Honest to God, I feel like Shit's Creek should be prescribed on the NHS. Yeah, <laughs> I I have loved this show since uh, like a few years ago. I was turned on to it by a friend when it mi- was made available on Netflix. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and I like blew through all of the episodes, and I just. There is just every, it is everything to me from the voice <laughs> to the costumes to just like the lovely worldview of like that town, you know, yeah. of, like, I don't know. It's just, it's a fucking masterpiece. And yeah. Catherine O'Hara delivers what is a bravura performance as Moira Absolutely. Rose. Oh, it's, 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 it's era defining. I think what I really like, what I'm really excited to talk about is the fact that she's, an older woman who's been working steadily and consistently and yeah. at the top of her game. Yeah. And now she's basically having a, this is her sort of breakout role in terms well, of Well, it's her reconnaissance or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 Come up but, with a pun on that really quick. <laughs> <laughs> but like also her, like for comedy fans or who knew who she was, like it almost feels like a victory lap. Yeah. Yeah. Like 100%. she's just getting the like, the, all the attention she always deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. just for like a nice little sort of cap on what has otherwise been an amazing career. Yeah. Not that could... she's at the end of it, but... No, no. Because no, you could say like, the mum from the mum from Home Alone. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love her in A Mighty Wind or whatever. And now it's like, you know, Catherine O'Hara, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> amazing. And well, so let's tell you all about her. So Catherine Ann O'Hara, a very... um. A uh, very Irish name, that, isn't it? She was born in 1954 to an Irish Catholic family in the suburb of Toronto as the sixth of seven children. Good Like the sort of Canadian Von Trapps, who I'd imagine would be much more polite and there'd be none of that, like, fucking a Nazi or whatever. But 
Her parents uh, adored each other, and eventually they actually died within 10 months of one another. Yeah, really sad. Uh, But her shy, modest father worked a desk job at uh, Canadian Pacific Railway, and he would say he'd never meet anyone if it wasn't for her mother. Conversely, he imbued his daughter with confidence and would tell Catherine, just say... I'm the greatest, uh, which he'd always tell her. But her mum would say, every day, just be thankful for your health. Get up and be grateful that you're awake. You're here for another day, which is much more like profoundly Irish. Like, yeah. It stoic. is a Irish tough love that I am well acquainted with. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who never leaves the house is like, just just tell everyone that tell you're the you're best because I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and her mum's like, just be grateful you're alive yeah. for another day, for God's sake. <laughs> Uh, did your is this a kind of does your mum give you pearls of wisdom like this? Does Dad well give you bits of? You know, my mother is the sort to. I think she's a little bit more unintentionally ruthless. <laughs> like she's the type to be like, black is your best color. <laughs> she once told me that my eyebrows were my best feature, and they're good. But they like, are good. they are. I never have to pluck. I have a delectably formed eyebrow but it doesn't it doesn't instill in one the Catherine you're the greatest sense yeah. of self from an early age no sense. no it's, it's and yeah. bless her like she will help me do anything but I think it comes from like a it comes from a wanting me to be able to be the best by fixing everything and sometimes it's just like I need you to love me unconditionally <laughs> yes that is your job thank you um, so everybody in, in Catherine's family was funny her dad would tell jokes and her mum would tell stories and imitate everyone in the stories she told the New Yorker I think everyone is born with humour but your life can beat it out of you sadly or you can be lucky enough to grow up in it now I'm not sure that ev- I don't think everyone's funny no under no circumstances <laughs> I, I wish it was and I love that Catherine O'Hara thinks that because mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's an insight into her her preparation as an actress maybe that she finds things but um, yeah I think most people are boring cunts well that generosity of like improv of just going uh huh yeah. yeah yeah yes yeah. and I think I think everybody probably is born with an ability to like appreciate and love humour yes maybe again but I think certainly... I disagree <laughs> <laughs> I've met some utterly humorous people in my time <laughs> <laughs> most yeah. babies aren't humorless though i mean you do no. get the odd one that's a dickhead but like generally they're like stick oh, your tongue out at a baby and they're fucking laughing you kill that's yeah true. absolutely it kills every time sold out <laughs> five <laughs> sold <stars>. out show <laughs> could be here all week do your type five to a baby <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um in terms of babies um are the babies are funny but also canadians why are canadians funny they seem to be there's a very long history of um, the way they incredible- say which is more like out, but yeah. it's, yeah. But there's sort of, sort of like this infamous kind of comedy circuit in Canada. And Catherine's theory is that it's because they don't have the heavy duty nationalism. And that's a good thing because it does make you look outside of yourself and be aware of the world and not take yourself too seriously. Mm. That's her theory on why Canadians are funny. As, a, as an American, <laughs> do, you, do, do you think there's anything in that? Is that? I certainly, I certainly think that taking yourself too seriously is the death of pretty much everything. Um, And, you know, like America is a, is a big country full of lots of different kinds of people. And I think that's partly the problem it Mm. faces, but I think that that is certainly endemic to, you know, what is not great about America is like an, Oh, 
an over-the-top commitment to thinking that you're the best for no sort of, with no rigorous investigation of why that might be or what repercussions that might have. And I think, yeah, there is something about that self-deprecation. Anyway, that's certainly more in line with like a British sense of humor than an American mm. one. Because like American humor can be very funny, but it is, to my mind, a little bit more like puerile. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that British deprecate, self-deprecation was always our classic kind of go-to, isn't it? With thwarted kind of little men was kind of what we, yeah. what we we mind comedy from. It'd be interesting to see now that we have become increasingly fascist, whether um, whether we're going to, whether our humour is going to be going to dry up as well. <laughs> I don't know, well, seeing every MP under the sun oh, stood in front God. of a union jack is quite funny. That is quite funny, <laughs> to be fair. It's a funny prop. We've all become props queens. <laughs> so she watched Rowan and Martin's Laughing, which I had to Google. It was a very popular sketch show, apparently, in the late 60s and early 70s. And she used to do impressions of the people who were on it to make her dad laugh, but they were all men. So she'd do impressions of Jason, James Mason, Paul Lind, and Alfred Hitchcock, which, you know, that's a good, Great. It's a good portfolio. I can't yeah. think of what any of them sound like, except James- possibly Hitchcock, Hitchcock. What did he. Uh, the British yeah. Hotel Madron. I think just in my head it's like Winston <laughs> Churchill because he just looks very similar. James Mason had a James Mason James sort of voice, didn't he? Okay. I don't know who Paul Lind is. No. Nope. And I don't think any of them were on that program either. I think that was a grammatical error on your part. What? I don't think Hitchcock was on Rowan and Martin's laughing. No, but they would do impressions of them on there, probably. I think she used to do impressions to her dad <laughs> of people. They were two separate sentences. Okay. <laughs> Well, and as ever, the rigorous <laughs> research and fact-checking of this podcast <laughs> has Put it on a come bus. unstuck once again. <laughs> uh, in terms of other influences, she credits a high school theatre arts teacher who didn't believe in a stiff school curriculum. Uh, and she said she just wanted to let us fly and be free and create. It's quite important, isn't it, Sasha? I couldn't agree with you more mm-hmm. there, Tom. Yeah. Did you have a teacher like Catherine. that? I had some really really lovely teachers more at Georgetown actually than mm. in high school um because like weirdly in high school I played sports a lot and that conflicted oh. Oh. <laughs> look look it's a whole thing my dad used to play semi-professional soccer so from the time I was really small he was like you must do this as well oh. so I played soccer through high school hmm. um did your soccer and- coach not encourage you to be free and create no my soccer coach encouraged us to like do wind sprints until we vomited (laughs) (laughs) but no there was a lovely there was a lovely lady at Georgetown who was like all about journaling and trying to find your own way into the character oh and she would say this she I loved this she was always like when you wanted to play like a really deep and grounded character you needed to feel the earth in your vagina and I said think about that brilliant I mean that could get very confusing couldn't it if you took her very literally we mustn't kink shame, it's pride. <laughs> Absolutely, very true. I have been raised on American high school uh, comedy, so I don't understand how you became an actress when you were a jock. Like, I don't, how did those things mix? I wasn't a jock, I was mercifully teased. Mercifully? Aww. Mercilessly. Oh, I, nice. was, <laughs> I was, mer- mercifully I was teased, so I have a sense of humour. <laughs> um, oh, no, so she's all that, I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, my high school was just very strange. So, like, we had a debate team, and it was more popular than the cheerleaders. Like, the whole thing, the oh. you know, the structure was very bizarre. Yeah. 
How strange. That's no film that I've seen. That's not no, a film. No, no, no. But also oh. every single high school movie has like 30-year-olds playing high school <laughs> yes. students. And when I was like 15 in Pimply, I was like, why don't I look like Sarah Michelle Gellar? This is so confusing. <laughs> Bless. It, it, is, it is confusing. But it, mercifully, this will work in our favor when yeah. I come to play Carrie in Carrie the Musical. Still banging that jam. Uh, <laughs> and you can also be in it. Uh, who, would I, who do I get to play? <laughs> I was going to say Carrie's mate, but she ain't got any. You can be, do you want to be Nasty Chris? Do you want to be I would bully? love to be Nasty Chris, yeah. Okay. Not Nice Sue? Or Not Nice Sue? I, oh, I don't know. Nah, it, can the, I, can I be email. like, can I be like the guy that asks her out, but then doesn't turn up or whatever? What? Tommy Ross. Oh, Tommy Ross. He's a yes. nice boy. boy. Yeah, you could be Tommy Ross. Great. I love a Letterman's jacket. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I assume you've got one from your high I school. I do. Brilliant. <laughs> Done. Cast and costumed. That's going to be the easiest production ever. I know. Can't wait. Uh, Catherine's brother, Marcus, worked in a theatre called Global Village in Toronto. And he met there a girl named Gilda Radner, who went on to become one of the first SNL cast members. Uh, they worked together and dated, so Gilda would come home to the house for dinner. Speaking of her, Catherine said, Gilda really opened my eyes to the possibility of being silly for a career and how to do it well. Mm. Yeah. Serendipity there. That's beautiful. Gilda's mm. amazing. Oh, what yeah. a great name. I went through a very big Gilda Radner phase. Did you? Kind of kind of in the same era that I got into like Mel Brooks movies. So like uh -huh. Young yeah. Frankenstein and stuff because she and um, what's his face? Gene, Gene Wilder, Wilder were married. married. Yeah. And then she very sadly died. In really young, right? Ovarian um, cancer. Yikes. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, the crossover with that as well is because Gene Wilder died of Alzheimer's, I think. Or something that I read an article which was like neither of them needed to die because oh. doctors didn't understand yeah. what was wrong with them when oh, they could have. I don't know. Anyway, that's got very dark. Um, but when Catherine turned 17, Gilda gifted her a book of 17 coupons bearing promises such as, I will take you shopping and I'll do oh, your hair. Isn't that amazing? George! That's so beautiful. I know. Yeah, Catherine said, no, seriously, that wasn't about me. Every one of my family will have had the same kind of stories. She was like that with everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I bet it was about her because she was great and she's enormously self-deprecating. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, I'm going to give people coupons from now on. Well, I think that's lovely. Like, I've, I've very much come around on, like, thoughtful gifts versus, like, bizarre tat yeah. as a gift. Do you know what I mean? Like, those <laughs> yeah. gifts that you get, you're just like, why did you spend money on this? Like, Yeah, I know you've just gone to Oliver Bonus and, and fallen into a candle. Like, I exactly, yeah. exactly. Just yeah. to be clear, on my birthday, I would like something from Oliver Bonus. Not, you will be getting a, a coupon. Ah. <laughs> uh, this so, would come back to haunt me mm -hmm. uh, so Gilda got into Second City after doing Godspell with Eugene Levy and Martin Short who'd known each other since university can you, can you please I want to be front row centre of that production <laughs> can you imagine Eugene Levy in Godspell no and Martin who did they play I mean the mind boggles, but what, what again, serendipity being in the right place with these, all these you amazing never, people. You never think, though, like looking back, like London Bloomsbury, I'm like, how could everyone have been friends with the same? You know what I mean? Like sometimes you look at back at the mm. past and you're like, what the fuck? How were they all friends? Like, yeah, there's something just in the water like that, or you know, I like to think they had like one spotty mate though on the side who just wasn't very good at anything. <laughs> So, like, the Bloomsbury set would be there and they'd be like, oh, God, is Barry coming? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course, we've got to invite Barry. 
He's been trying to flog his poems, and I keep telling him the Romantic era is over. Oh, my God, Barry, I don't want to read your fiction again. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome K. Jerome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, Barry's boring me to tears. (laughs) Someone else sit next to him. I'm going to walk into the middle of a river, I swear to God, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put stones in my fucking pockets. (laughs) I'm going to do it, I swear to God. Vita... Hold me back. I'll swing for him. <laughs> but, so after this celebrated production of Godspell, uh, <laughs> Catherine auditioned for Second City as well, but she did not get in. I know. Uh, she was understudy. Can you believe that? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, so she doesn't get in and so she worked as a waitress in the bar. Like, so let's just talk about not getting the gig. Like, yeah. Can you can you remember any occasions where you've been like, I didn't get the thing, but they got this thing, like, and something else came of it. That Not was... specifically that you ended up working in the theatre bar yeah. where they were putting the show on. <laughs> but yeah, like, have you ever ever thought, do you know what? That actually kind of panned out. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I was really, okay, guys, Here. prepare your <gasps> tissues. Oh. So I auditioned for some production of, I had just finished playing Macbeth to great acclaim at the Catford Theatre. Oh, lovely. In 2016. Oh, the Catford. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my God, proscenium art, gorgeous. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> and then I got recalled for like quite a good show, quite a good Shakespeare thing. I think that was going to be on at Southwark and I didn't get it. And I was understandably quite sad and then I agreed to do what wound up being a repellently bad production of Julius Caesar at the V&A <laughs> but it was at that show that I met Joseph Cullen oh. so one day after the uh, the dress rehearsal I was walking back towards the station of Kensington and um, I heard hey Sash wait up oh. and he came running after and, it's, and, and that began our um our ill-fated, here we are now. He's been running after you ever since. <laughs> You've been desperately trying to shake him. He really is the getting a job in a theatre bar of boyfriends, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I can't really think of anything where I'm like, you know, because everything everything else has panned out in a way where I'm like, ah, oh, yes, every kind of stepping stone is yeah. Yeah. leads on quite nicely to another thing. Not As opposed yeah. to the other, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was supposed to play Oliver in uh, my school production uh, yep. and I aged out of the role by <laughs> becoming a year seven. Having breasts? Oh, by having, well, everyone had breasts. It was a oh, girl's school. Um, I and I think that that uh, injustice has given me, um, the, the well, it's, it's responsible for the core of Flint in my being mm. because it was, uh, it was wrong and I had to be Mrs. Bedwin who isn't even a character really. <laughs> She's an old woman that sings a verse of Where is Love? And uh, quite frankly, I'd rather have been like the strawberry seller or something or one of the sex workers, which is really inappropriate when you think about the fact that... Deeply, deeply inappropriate. Why do children... Why do do schools do Oliver? Oliver? Yeah. I mean, there are so many questions to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's for another podcast. I don't... How how do you do... How do you have somebody get beaten to death in a children's (laughs) production? (laughs) In, um, 
it's an instrumental. It's scored, I believe. Sure, 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 sure. I remember in when I was in <laughs> high school, I saw like a local, an other, a different high school's production of um, oh, what was it called? Um, I'm I Don, Don Quixote, La Man of oh. La Mancha, and of course, there's that like really aggressive scene where the um the lady in it, she's raped by, she's gang oh. raped. Don't you know? Really? Don't you know the show? There's I don't know scene, it very well. No. Uh, so there's this there's this scene where like, oh, I don't remember what her name is, but she's like, she's like kind of a sex worker. Don Quixote sort of falls for her, um, and then she's gang raped by the people in <gasps> this like restaurant pension. And this oh was in a high school. Oh my fucking I, I, like, hell! I'm now looking back on it, and I kind of nodded my head and was like, mm, "Very artful," because they like <laughs> did it behind a pillar or something. But like, <laughs> why were we doing it at all? Oh, just do something else. To be fair, Bugsy. Why not is the a bit... Secret Garden? Come yeah. on! <laughs> no one gets gang raped in the Secret no. Garden. Jeez, Louise. Oh. Sorry, sorry, guys. I never let children do that. Do that show. Um, At Second City, uh, speaking of serendipity, though, uh, Catherine met Levy and uh, obviously Martin Short as well, and Andrea Martin. And her and Levy, Levy, I keep saying Levy, but it it is Levy, isn't it? It's Eugene Levy. I think it's Levy. I I mean, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I'm pretty sure it's. Levy. Oh, it is Levy. Uh, that's not very bad news for me. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling pretty smug now. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So her and Levy dated a couple of times. Did they? they? Dated, yeah. 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 In Second City. And she said there's nothing sexier than making each other laugh. That is true, oh, actually. Oh, intrigue. Intrigue. Do the roses have heat, do you reckon? I think the roses have that, like... They have that low burn of a fire. <laughs> they yeah. have that low burn of a fire that was like, it's been raging on the beach all afternoon and now it's just the embers and you toast oh. your little marshmallow over it and you get like melty chocolate over your lips and you're like, mm, you try some, mm, you try some. And it's like... <laughs> and it's forged out of like love and trust rather yes. than like sure. fling them onto the bed passion. Yeah. It feels like the natural successor to the love that they have in um, Mighty Wind, which has got, I think, quite yeah. a bit of heat to it. That's a bit of, yeah. You, well, it's a will they, won't they, isn't it? Ross and Rachel. Do you know, the one thing I didn't love was that at the end, they kind of both are like, oh, well, they misunderstood. It was all part of the act, which I thought was a bit like, mm. I wish they'd kind of just left it. Like, yeah, you know, that they had this lovely reunion and they both went back to their other lives, but yeah. not, not, not really do. here nor there. Well, before we get carried away with sniffing out gossip, like sort of camp little truffle pigs, um, Catherine, Catherine has said of the dating, um, everybody tried dating everybody. We probably wouldn't be working together if we'd gone longer on dating. Really, it was like one or two dates. That's it. I'm, so I'm, I'm thinking at the most we're looking at a snog, maybe a bit of over the shirt action. Yeah. 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 I agree. In terms of contact, but she's had a couple of dates. I mean, what's that between friends? All right. Well, between exactly. your friends. Between my friends, yes. Yeah, much less. Uh, but she's not languishing in the shadows slash theatre bar for long. John Candy hired Catherine and her brother for the touring Second City Company. And Joe Flaherty made... Flaherty? Flaherty? Flaherty. Flaherty. Joe Flaherty made her the understudy for Gilda. Mm. Understudy stories? Have you ever understudied? Anyone got any? I have never. (laughs) 
Have I fuck? Have I? <laughs> have I ever worked on a show big enough to have understudies? <laughs> no. <laughs> also, no. <laughs> I've done it. It is thankless. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine I, it's pretty bleak. You also never... push and pull understudy as well, wasn't it? No, no, I've, <gasps> never, I've, I've never done off stage cover or anything. That I was in, I was in the ensemble, but I also understood. It was when I did Anne Boleyn, I understudied Anne oh, Boleyn yeah. as well on yeah. stage. Yes, and I did another, I did another one where I understudied, and that's. I mean, you basically just have to give up a day off to go and rehearse for something yeah. that generally doesn't happen. But like, we had an understudy when we were on Horrible Histories. How much are we going to say about this? I think. Well, I don't give a shit. We had one understudy, yeah. one male person who was 18, 19, and he was understudying, uh, understudying, he was understudying me and Tom what? and the, the other two very beautiful people in it. Male and female. Male actors. and female. One 18-year-old boy, four grown adults. <laughs> Untrained? Untrained as well, mm. yeah. Trained in the fires of... Um... Warwick Castle. <laughs> For, forged in the heat of <laughs> Merlin Entertainment, but not, not in the number one touring circuit. Good um, grief. Yeah, yeah. needless to say, it didn't go down very well. Yeah. Uh, went on on the last night. Went on the last night. Of the whole six-month oh, tour. Oh, my mm. God. Can I you still imagine? didn't know the words. still didn't know the words. Well, I, but, you know, I mean, this is the biggest thing for me, is that, like... I would be petrified if you're not actually doing it for real. That like all of, I mean, all of my, you know, working with the script, it doesn't matter until I'm like up in a rehearsal room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of like, so can you imagine six months into a run after not having to look at it? Like to suddenly be like, like, get on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (gasps) Yeah, you unlearn them. Yeah, oh, fine. Just, so he didn't no, had to put in the them. time. Sure, no, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. He had six months. He just, just had a lovely yeah. six-month jolly. Anywho, uh, the Second City Chicago cast and the Toronto cast did a four-week trade where the Chicago cast, which included Second City and later SNL legends John Belushi and Bill Murray, played the travelling stage. And the Toronto cast, which is Dan Aykroyd, Eugene Livy, Harold Ramis, John Candy, Gilda and Catherine, played I their stage. shut the front Cat- Door. What a stupidly good lineup. And John Aykroyd, Dan, John Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd back in that day, he was like, I only recently watched Blues Brothers. Yeah. But he is not, he's like a handsome young man. He doesn't look like he does now. He looks like Mr. Stay Puffed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Him and Ray changed places. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was quite, he was quite hot. He has a very lucrative business in which he sells vodka in glass skulls. What? Is that him? I bought my brother that as a yeah, that's his. housewarming present. Oh my. <laughs> I did not know that my money was going to Dan Aykroyd letting himself go. Well, now you do. Yeah. Now you know. Um, George Clooney does booze as well, doesn't he? Tequila. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Got to have a side hustle, Got to have a side hustle. When you're incredibly... Uh... I feel like Dan Aykroyd owns a train as well. What? I think he has a train. <laughs> that is mental. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. Is that <laughs> like how, how he gets around? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's, it seems necessary. These days, <laughs> <laughs> He's on the autism spectrum, Dan Aykroyd. Is he? Yeah. That. Yeah. I don't know how I know this bad about Dan Aykroyd. You mean, I didn't know the fact about the train, but I did know that. Well, it might be made up. There we go. Uh, <laughs> so, so Catherine got called. Um, oh, sorry, did I? Just give I make it no, 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 you carry on. Finish so yeah, Gilda is on this tour and then she gets a job on National Lampoon, 
which then like became SNL. And so Catherine took her place. And she said she basically just imitated Gilda for, for months. Wouldn't you though? I mean, if it ain't broke. And that's how you learn, I think. Yeah. There's a really wonderful quote about um, learning to write really well is try and impersonate someone who's writing you really admire. And after you like impersonate, impersonate, impersonate and like practice that style, then you like have internalized some of the rules and stuff. And then you can, it's, well, it's like practicing sheet music, I guess, right? Yeah. You, know, and then you, you go off and do your own thing. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. That's, there's something really lovely about that. That's, you're like, oh, that's what I like. And so I would like to learn how to be like that and then find mm. my own voice. Yeah. Weirdly, Hunter S. Thompson used to copy out The Great Gatsby. To really? learn what it I felt like to type out that book. Oh my <laughs> I can hate every person. No, I mean, look, The Great Gatsby is actually a lovely piece of writing that is deeply, deeply misunderstood mm-hmm. in its many stage and whatever adaptations. Sorry, sorry, guys, but the whole point is that you cannot sustain that sort of lifestyle and partying that hard is not long for this world. But there we go. Um, Neither was it. Yeah, <laughs> that's coming back. There we go. Um, yeah, and it was just the sort of feeling—the feeling of what it feels like to Amazing. tap out a masterpiece, is what you yeah. said. I mean, it's not like a foolproof method, but it's an, a, an extension of the same principle, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, copying how it feels to write that kind of stuff. Anyway, Catherine got called for Saturday Night Live and went in the summer when they were just starting to write the next season. But Andrew Alexander, who is the head of Second City, called and said he had a deal with NBC for Second City Television, the same network as SNL. Um, And then I had to go to the producer, says Catherine, and say, I'm sorry, my family needs me. My comedy family is calling. So that leads me to believe, Sasha, you would presumably turn down SNL for Out of the Forest. I don't think I would do very well in SNL and I'd be (laughs) petrified to go on. I think improv is like the absolute, like it is my worst nightmare of panic. So it is is a beautiful, wonderful art when done by people (laughs) who are talented at improv, but I would- We'll get more into improv. Quake to my very, I will quake to my boots and I would much rather, yeah. Yeah. So you can say then you would turn down SNL for your your theater company. <clears throat> yeah, of course I would. There you of go. Of course I there would. There you go. That's Just... how dedicated she is. Not because she's frightened of improv. That's right, Lorne. If you're listening to the podcast, yeah, she doesn't want it. Take <laughs> it away. She doesn't want it. Don't Put it off for it. No. Uh, so SCDV ran for six seasons, and Catherine won an Emmy for her writing on it. Because it's banging. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, Scorsese staged a reunion uh, and they uh, they started shooting some footage for an upcoming Netflix special. So that'll be fun. Which I don't my, know if it's been released or not. I don't oh, no, think it's come I, I don't think it's out yet. No. COVID she's been too that. busy with Fran Leibowitz. Um, so she's got an Emmy under the belt, but she still gets trapped in the auditioning carousel. She once auditioned uh, to be Robert De Niro's wife in a movie. Uh, she said, you're reading for three people sitting in chairs behind a desk. They were nice enough. They chatted and then said, let's do the scene. It's one of my worst memories. <laughs> How cheesy ah! I was. I was in a chair, but the scene took place in a bed. So I tried to lie down in the chair <laughs> and looked like I was in a bed to read it. And then in the interview, she sort of ch- tucks her chin unflatteringly oh into her chest God. and has her legs sort of stretched out akimbo. <laughs> That's typical of most of my auditions, she oh, said. I love her. 
And that's why Moira insists on being offer only. Offer only, absolutely. Like you. Like me. Uh, She also describes meeting with a Canadian network head about a comedy show and the executive asking if she did any characters. I told him, oh yeah, lots. I do a woman who's lost all her teeth and she talks really funny and another woman who's always mad at her husband so she's got this kind of angry voice. (laughs) Mortified at the memory, Catherine said... I described them and yeah. bad descriptions too. You know, she's got a really funny voice. It's funny because she's got no teeth and it's a very funny voice. If you heard it, it would be funny. You'd, yeah. you'd find it funny if you heard the voice. <laughs> she was her. so desperate to play the Holly Hunter role in broadcast news. James L. Brooks called her after her audition to tell her how amazing she was. Uh, after blowing the second audition, she wrote Brooks a letter. I know how I blew it, she told him. Please let me go again. Oh. So he called her in for a third audition and then a fourth with one of the stars, Albert Brooks, which seems to have been a disastrous chemical misfire. And on the way out the door, she remembers James Brooks stopping her and saying, what happened to you? Imagine. I just... Yes, I don't need to imagine. I can just picture any one of my humiliate... You know, you just have... Oh. When you know you've misfired in an audition, that's yeah. such a bad feeling. And you can see it playing across the faces of the panel, too. Mm-hmm. I was once called in, um, <laughs> maybe don't air this. I was once, <laughs> also, my agent won't listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, I was once called in for a musical at what's the Vauxhall Theater? Whatever the tunnel, something. Oh yeah, I don't know. Um, and it was a it was a punk rock musical about homelessness. Oh, and I was no. like, you are aware that I do folk music, not punk. Fine, okay, yeah, I'll go. And I like turned up with like heavy eyeliner and leather. Mm. Um, and I was like, okay, well, this is fine. This is fine because I'm just going to live out my teenage dreams and I'm going to sing "Bring Me Back to Life" by Evanescence. Oh what yes. What I did not realize is that like on a sad <laughs> piano ba, ba, da, ba, ba, it's just oh, not, no. it just doesn't and then you have to like belt out your heart and it's just this sad plinky honky tonk oh, like no. back and i had to do it again and the guy went um if you could just maybe be a bit more punk rock oh. <laughs> i was just like or homeless like no like i i uh well you know and then it turned out the casting director was my agent's son and he said you know oh. give my regards to my dad and i was just like oh, oh. christ the king oh. and it you know oh my god oh, i had nobody backing me up going wake me up it all went wrong but you don't bring your own hype man to an audition <laughs> you're doing oh, it wrong can you that's on my rider i'd like to go back and amend yes <laughs> I specifically want Flavor Flav. <laughs> just be behind you, just walk into an audition and he goes, Yeah, boy! <laughs> Done, we can arrange that. Thank you. Um, I remember quite early on, I started, I'd never really been to a casting, so like an advert casting. Yeah. And do you know how they're always God, very, they're like, because it's always written by morons. Yeah. So they're always, please give me a job. They're always written um, by someone who's basically like, and it'd just be really great because we want to see people of all different, you know, uh, sizes and shapes and like all different kinds of people. But like, here's some pictures of the ideas that we're looking at. Oh, and Christ. like, we obviously like, and they always kind of imply that they want you to dress like, 
the person, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was doing for a part as like a wing commander, like a kind of Biggles thing. And obviously turned up and like spent all weekend trying to throw together a costume oh. and got like a managed to borrow a leather like flying cap and a pair of goggles and brought some like uh, old timey trousers and braces <gasps> and a oh shirt. Dear. It was like the first one. I just turned up in the audition room and sat there looking at a load of guys in jeans and t-shirts. We're oh. obviously like, well, I'm going to pretend to be a wing commander. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've not become one for the audition. Oh, they thought you'd gone method for an advert. I tried to take it all off. Like, I took the braces off in the toilet. I tried oh to get rid of the goggles. I think I stuffed them into one of the big pockets, untucked my shirt, Were tried to look as normal as possible. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I had the flying cap in my hand, and they were just like, What is this? And I was like, I I just I brought a prop and I, I thought it might be I don't know it might it might like help no, the look. No, Thomas, never bring a prop. Oh, never. Then, <laughs> I did not know this because no one had told me. Oh. And then they just very kindly sort of went, Yeah, but yeah, put it put it on, put it on. Oh no. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I had to God. do the audition with the flying cap on. They oh. were like, that was great. That was great. Loved that. Did you? So I'm assuming you booked it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the email got lost. <laughs> I should probably check my junk. Go go through your junk. Yeah, yeah, totally. Maybe Make sure you whitelist all... Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know in retrospect if I did get it. <laughs> Mike Nichols hired Catherine for heartburn and Martin Scorsese gave her a part in After Hours. So, she, you know, she's she's booking now, baby. Uh, first day on heartburn, heartburn, she said, I thought I was going to hurl all day long. I'm just looking around. Meryl Streep, Jack Nicholson. Hi, sorry, sorry, eh? <laughs> I lo- I'm, I'm, that would be That would work better in Canadian, wouldn't it? In Canadian, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you were you were nearly there, I think. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we are coming up on her very first iconic breakout role, Beetlejuice. Perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, but before that, we'll take a very quick break. We will. Who needs a wee? I'm good for a wee. And we're back. <laughs> So Catherine was asked to audition and had calls with David Geffen, who was the producer on Beetlejuice. Uh, she didn't know him at the time. And speaking ahead of this, uh, speaking of this, she said, out of ignorance, I'm like, who is this guy? He keeps bugging me. <laughs> so Geffen kept calling and saying, this is a part for you. You should be doing this. Um, they said they wanted her to meet Tim Burton. So finally, she was depressed at home with nothing happening. And Catherine said she would meet Tim Burton and she would audition. <laughs> She so deigned she, to do it. She did. So she Sorry, flew, she was depressed at home and she was like, Ugh, fine, I'll, if Tim really, well, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll take my pyjamas off, I'll go. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I'll put right. some pants on. That's Diva. That is a Diva. That's Diva. She's been like, right, quite low key so far in her yeah, story. Yeah. This but is the point at which she's notch. really stepping into her Diva game. Indeed. Yeah. So she flew to LA from Toronto, rented a car and she got lost. Uh, eventually she had to pull over and find a phone booth to phone her agent. Two hours late, she got to the house where she was supposed to meet Tim Burton, found a note on it saying, I'm sorry, I waited as long as I could. <laughs> <laughs> Gen- <laughs> genuine girl, clutched her pearls. Oh. Sasha just clutched her pearls. It's a nightmare. She then went back to Toronto and a few weeks later, they offered her the part of Delia, the talentless sculptor. She said of this, it's a good trick. If you're bad at auditioning, just don't go. Just don't do it. No, I don't do it. I am offer only. How many times do I have to say it? Don't you? I won't be there. Um, I just, I love how, can you imagine anyone giving a, a relative unknown this kind of 
airtime. There'd be no way. They'd be like, oh, fucker, we've got... <laughs> even, they wouldn't even fly her over from, from Toronto these Look, days. I think the 80s were a very different time. I watched an mm. interview between her and um, David Letterman, and he was like, what did you do over Christmas? How was your New Year's? And it's like, <laughs> literally now interviews are curated to within an inch of their life yeah. that it's like, you know, I just... I just think it was a simpler time where yeah. people didn't have mobile phones. So you couldn't constantly be comparing yourself to everybody else. Yeah. And like, maybe they'd heard all of this buzz about, gosh, there's this really funny actor, you know, cause like yeah. they don't know, they can't check her Twitter followers or, you know, like yeah, it just yeah, was yeah. a time where maybe that level of mysteriousness of no, I don't turn up actually works in your favor. Yeah. yeah. Bring back the mystery. Absolutely. Um, but on Beetlejuice, she would gripe at Tim Burton about the handsome production designer, Bo Welch, who <laughs> wouldn't ask her out. So Burton said, I'll have a word. And Welch did as he was told by the director. <laughs> uh, Bo and Catherine are still married and have two children. Yeah. One is a set dresser. The other one is a set in set construction. And both of them worked on Schitt's Creek. Oh, I didn't know that last bit. That's so cute. Uh, The three of us all work with our partners. Sasha lives in glorious sin with previous guest, Joseph Cullen, who shared his love for Joanna Lumley. So go back and listen to that episode. Any tips, Sasha, on working with your boo, your main squeeze, your honey? Um, I think the biggest thing I would say is is to foster a safe enough environment where you can really say... I think this works. I think this doesn't work. I think this mm-hmm. needs to change. And it doesn't ever feel like a, an attack on the partner, that it feels like we're collaborating on this work and we both really care about the quality of that product. So I think yeah. it's about like making sure that you laugh a lot and making sure that you say you love each other a lot and like, you know, do all the good stuff so that when you say, you know what, we need to rework that line, it's yeah. not like. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and even if it does suck, it's, yeah, knowing that you're both capable of sucking. So it's like, yeah. it's never like a you suck. It's yes, like, yes. I, I frequently suck also. And that... <laughs> not like... <laughs> this is a PG podcast. <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly what she said. Uh, that sounds like a nice, inclusive... Way to work, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah, it sounds lovely. You dream of that, don't you? I do. Um, <laughs> not going to happen. Do you leave each other passive-aggressive post-it notes on drafts? No, we just scream. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Actually, we, do, we, get, we get on fairly well when we work, don't we? Pretty much, yeah. I don't think we've ever fallen out over it. I think it's largely because one of us takes the burden of the work in one go and then the other one comes at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's very true, actually, of yeah. like somebody needs to take a pass at something and then you can come in with the next pass and kind of yeah. like tag team in on it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, We yeah. do that. We'll, well, sometimes if we're writing, we'll like sit in front of each other and do that. I'll be like, oh, I've got an idea. Like, and you sit and you write for a bit and the yeah. other one just sort of checks their phone or does whatever. Yeah, I've then never it, been able to write simultaneously, but I also like have never not had to have a job. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it is just a, you know. Yeah, I think if we were all, yeah paid television writers working for SCTV. I think we probably probably, yeah. probably have a different working method, but uh, there we go. We are where we are. Uh, so Catherine moved to LA to be with Bo, and she was swiftly cast as Kevin's forgetful mother in Home Alone, written by John Hughes. Uh, Gen Z Shits Creek fans are literally still getting over finding out that Moira was Kevin's mum. It's an iconic film, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It's one of the few films that I would say is perfect. As in the screenplay just yeah. 
works. There's no there's no fat on it. Yeah. It's just completely. He wrote it in brilliant. a weekend, didn't he? <gasps> John Hughes. Really? I think he wrote that over a weekend. I feel like he wrote Amazing. Home Alone Two in less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of hours. I'm not going to say it shows, but uh... <laughs> I'm just going to say all he did was watch the first one, write that down, and then put in a few more put really Tim good Curry jokes. In it. <laughs> yeah. Tim, Tim Curry, Curry went, "I have notes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love Home so much. Well. She's so so good in it. Um, later on, uh, Catherine actually ran into Macaulay Culkin a few years ago. Uh, she says she opened her arms and said, baby. And Culkin called her mum, well, mum, and fell into her arms. <laughs> baby. 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 I mean, she just held him she tight. Took, <laughs> what if she took that swing? Probably uh, not. Maybe. But just hold him, hold him tight and be like, please stop doing the pizza-based ah! underground <laughs> covers. It's not working. Stop it. Just stop it. Okay, now go. <laughs> and now he has a very successful career on Succession. Oh, man. When is that new season going to come out? It is. So, it is. What, is Macaulay in the new season? Well, isn't he? No, Or is it his brother? Um, it's the brother. <gasps> who is also in Home Alone. Who is in Home Alone. He's full. Oh, okay, it, okay. It's okay. the one that wets the bed. Yes, he, yes. No, no, you're completely right. You're completely Kieran. right. Kieran Culkin. I knew it was a Culkin. He's so good. He, oh, God. When? When? More succession. Damn this Panny D. I think they're like the O'Haras. I think there's about a thousand of them. Yeah. Sorry. There's oh, sorry. We have some a... Some uh, Okay. So in one iconic scene, Catherine rides in a van with her old SCTV colleague, John Canley, who had by now supplanted Molly Ringwald as Hughes' muse. Uh, John Candy and John Hughes were really in love with each other, she said. They brought out the best in one another. Candy was so busy, we could only get him for 24 hours. So we sat in the van and improvised for at least 21 hours. Uh, John Hughes would go, what if you did this? And John Candy would go, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so funny and crazy, but I had to play the straight man because my anytime I did a crazy thing, Chris Columbus, the director, would say, I think the mum is supposed to be focused on finding her kid, not doing bits with a stranger in a van. <laughs> With his clarinet. What does he play? Does he play the clarinet? He plays the it clarinet. It is, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Polka, it's polka. polka band. Yeah. yeah. Polka, polka. Great. Mama Hoochie Polka. Oh, these are songs. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. That is so, scene is so great because you could, I think you could really see her towing that line between being yeah. like, I'm, I'm keeping this active, I'm keeping active in the scene, but my motivation is I have to, I've left my She's child She's on a tight rein. She's yeah. She's on a very tight, that horse wants its head. Yeah, basically. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that tight, the tightness of her performance actually is so interesting, isn't it? Because she's still, you follow her every emotional reaction. You're like, yes, he's being a little shit. Yes, yeah. you're stressed. And then her, her absolute kind of like blind panic. And then mm. when, and then the, like the, the touching bit when they get back together as well, when, and like they're both hurt. She, she's got such range. It's really amazing because obviously it just demonstrates a certain amount of unexpected broad-mindedness about what makes an actress great and where yeah. to use her. Because that is so not what Hollywood tends to be able to do. They're like, yeah, oh, you're the funny one, you know. Right. Yeah. And so she had all of that warmth and generosity that's so like the cornerstone of her personality and character that she just got to lean into. Mm. I want to hug from her. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause also like, I, I, it's a very dark film really. If you kind of abstract it from the slapstick. Have you seen um, the video where they reshoot the trailer, but as yeah. a horror film? 
Yes, I did. I've seen this. Yeah, and there is also an amazing fan theory that posits Kevin McAllister grows up to be the villain of the Saw films. No. Oh my God, that's hilarious. To play a game. It's an excellent (laughs) article. Link it in the show notes. Because that little like weird clown thing, the little toy is in the basement of <gasps> Kevin's house, yeah? And all of those weird traps that he sets are him working oh. out his system of revenge. Oh, I mean, fuck. it's a theory. I mean... The fact that the jigsaw mask is there really stands up. Yeah. That's now making Catherine O'Hara's character look like an even worse mother, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, or a victim of a psychopathic child. Like Kevin. Oh yes, my god, like we, we need, need to, to talk, talk about, about Kevin! Kevin. <gasps> <gasps> Lana Shriver was writing about actual Kevin McAllister. Shook to oh. my very core. I am the people shooketh. that wrote Saw and We Need to Talk About Kevin <laughs> watched Home Alone and went, I think I can This do is all in the same universe. Yes. Oh my This is in the same cinematic universe. God. Wow, I think it's like so many people when they when people it's like quite in vogue to like joke about that film and be like, oh gosh, she's such a bad mother. Like, can you imagine? Blah blah blah. And it's like to be like really kind of, I don't know, like glib about the way that. And you're like, obviously, it's a plot, guys. Like, it's a plot device. It's a plot device. We're not meant to be like morally judging her for like. But then also, also, like the emotional labor all falls to her. Where was the dad going? I've done head count. And Absolutely. my son is missing. Buzz being yeah. entirely unhelpful the entire time. <laughs> yeah. But Buzz also, it's just I just think every time anyone watches the film, because it's so tightly structured, because John Hughes' writing is so good, and because her performance is so great, you, like, it's just, it's a joke that people make when they haven't seen Home Alone for a, a yeah. while. Yeah. Like, no one says that when they've recently, or if they absolutely adored Home Alone and watched it every single yeah. year or sometimes yeah. watch it when it's not Christmas. Um, but it's like, you just can't, when you watch it, you can't get out of the emotion. You, every step of it, like you said, you understand it. You're mm. like, I get how she got to this point and how she got to this point and I'm yeah. not judging her because she's, she, A, she, a, I understand how you've got to this point and B, she is very much atoning. So yeah. there's no kind of, there's no point in it when I'm like, you awful woman. And it <laughs> yeah. also it also sits in like that farce, level heightened quality of like there are tropes and manners and like doors opening and things swinging down like this is not realism that we're trying to oh those men would be dead yeah yeah. 1000% a hundred times over (laughs) yeah or severely severely brain damaged (laughs) I mean Marv I think is to begin with (laughs) Uh, no we're the dripping water bandits come on (laughs) (laughs) so good but he also features it. That film features the, the greatest on-screen scream of all time. Yeah. Hands down. There is no better scream. When they put the tarantula on Marv's face and he screams. Oh. It is just... He wasn't going to be in it either. Speaking yes. of Dennis Stern, really? Yeah, yeah they didn't I think... Want him, did they? Well, I can't remember. I think he turned it down because it wasn't enough money or it was like, it was something. Is he like something... a theatre actor? I think so. I get the it was either he's like a, a different... Steppenwolf guy. Yes, he does have that vibe. And I think yeah. there was either some other job. I was watching um, in deep preparation for this podcast. Oh, I watched so the films that made us on Netflix. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, no. Um, okay. But he Carry was on. interviewed. <laughs> well, it's just one of those kind of like, they're it's just going to tell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not It's not the um, the uh, the documentary on Galaxy Quest, which is sure. one of my favorite movies of all time. That documentary about the making of Galaxy Quest is a masterpiece on really? how like 
genuinely, whether or not you like Galaxy Quest, whether or not you've seen Galaxy Quest, it is a magnificent documentary. Anyway, um, but the guy who played Marv, I think sort of said no or he turned it down and then kind of had to like beg his way back into the production. Oh, shit. I'm now editorializing in a huge way. So you might want to check (laughs) some of that. But for one period of time, he wasn't the guy. Yes. He is so good in it. He is so I, good. I mean, you can't imagine another actor. No. No. It's it's yeah. It's a it's a perfect film. Um, I'm going to bring the mood down by oh, no. uh, reminding us all that John Candy's dead. Um, John Candy died in 1994 on Catherine's birthday. <gasps> oh my god! Oh, no, yeah. isn't that traumatic? Like, and imagine they've been what, really close friends. One of your best friends dies on your birthday. I mean, shit. Um, You'd think it was a prank at first. Yeah, you, I you? bet she did. She said she got phone calls all day with people being like, happy birthday. Also, John died. Oh. And it was just like, what? Oh, my God. I know, right? Hey. Yeah. Um, and he was always a big advocate of her as well. Like, when asked yeah. why she didn't work more, apparently John Candy said, I don't think Catherine wants to play the wife, which is very... Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, John. Yeah. He went on to describe how uh, Catherine turned down Beverly D'Angelo's role in National Lampoon's vacation movies because she didn't see the character. So, yeah, John Candy saw her integrity and saw... Mm. I mean, it's kind of... I guess it's kind of ironic that she didn't play the wife because she does play Eugene Levy's wife in everything that she's kind yeah, of particularly well known well, for. Alone, I mean, that's mom. fair enough, but she wouldn't be... Dis- her character wouldn't be no. described as Eugene Levy's wife. Exactly. In and the... She's not the wife in inverted commas as a type, is she? She's yeah. like, she's so many more things. And it. as we'll get to when we get to Schitt's Creek, like she she actually created a lot of Moira Rose herself. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like, it's like her part rather than being given a part as well. Yeah. My John Candy death story, oh. which is so much better than my John Waters story where I sold him a book. <laughs> uh, it's not that much better actually now I think about it. I once, wor- I once worked with the teacher who had to break the news to his kids. <laughs> <laughs> dark, John dark. Candy's kids. John Candy's kids, not the that teacher. They, a teacher told his children. <laughs> so that he obviously died. his kids were at school. He died <gasps> very young, so obviously his kids were at school. How and the old guy was he when to, he died? Oh, I don't know. But nineteen ninety-four. Like, he must have yeah, been like what forty, early forty-five. 40s, yeah. Yikes! Of a heart yeah. attack or something. Yeah, I think it was. It wasn't was. It? Yeah. Yeah. So he had to go. And, this teacher that I used to work with had to go oh and break the news God. to the kids. There we go. Truly, you would. <laughs> Surely you would just pull them out of class and let somebody like respond. Oh no, I think that's what he did. Like, oh, but I don't fine, think okay. he just like walked into the room and was just Your like, "Your dad's Stop. dead." <laughs> John Candy's dead, and that's I, these kids' dad. <laughs> eyes up, everybody! Pencils down dad. and eyes up. I see you eating that paste. <laughs> you don't want what happened to John Candy to happen to you. <laughs> Just thinking of that bit in Summer Heights High where Mr. G runs into the room and goes, oh my God, thank God you're here. Grandma's been raped. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God you're here. Your dad's dead. (laughs) And that... I might start writing a book on those stories. What, your... My terrible, uh, tenuous celebrity stories. Tom's tangential touches to... (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, we need a last T. Yeah, to... The stars. The stars. You've got selling John Waters a book, selling Toby Jones a soup, and <laughs> knowing the man that told John Candy that John Candy was John Candy's kid that he was his name is dead. That's I'd it. work. I'd work on that pitch. Yeah, but I um, don't... 
So you're saying it's got legs? Yeah, I think I think uh, work on the pitch because you're gonna need to. Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> right. Amazing. Well, talking of pitches, my darling. End of part one. End Plugs of part and one. hugs. What can? We, what have you got to plug, my love? Where can the people find you? What are you up to? The the people can find me on the Instagrams at uh, underscore Sasha underscore Wilson underscore. Mm. Um, I mostly like take pictures of the things that I eat because yes, I'm very, very gluttonous. Um, <laughs> I'm also currently working on a play um, called Louisa and Joe and Me, which is basically about how I'm trying to process this very difficult year um, using the medium of Little Women by Louise May Alcott. Ah. going to be on at the Golden Goose Theatre in London from July 6th to July 18th. Oh my god! Yeah, I didn't so realize that was coming so soon. I know. Is the flesh? Shit, the bee! Oh my god, we'll get to see you. <laughs> How exciting! I know. <gasps> Amazing. Well, until next week, dear listener. We love you. Be safe. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Catherine O'Hara related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you, you can tweet us at Diva Energy, get on the gram at Big Diva Energy, email us at BigDivaEnergyPod at gmail.com. If you're feeling really fancy, you could slip on over to our Patreon. This podcast is a Dark Matters production. If you thought we were your comedy family, please don't forget to like and subscribe. Alternatively, if you thought we had the levels of negligence. Get, Get in, in the, the sea. sea. Goodbye. Bye. Mwah, 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 mwah.